Thanks for listening to Bible Crossfire. This is Patrick Donahue. Most believers know that God loves everybody unconditionally. But in another sense, God only loves those who love Him. Let's talk about both of these types of love. First, let's establish the sense that God loves everybody unconditionally. And I mean everybody, even atheists. This means God sent His Son to die for all so that all could be saved. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This also means God loves everybody in the sense He wants all to repent and be saved. Second Peter 3 verse 9 The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Simply put, God wants the best for everybody. That's what love implies. But in another sense, God only loves those who love Him by keeping His commandments. That expression of His love, then, is conditional. John 14, verse 21, asserts this idea. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Notice then that we show our love for God by keeping his commandments. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And only those who love God by keeping his commandments will be loved by God in this way. This love is God bestowing his saving favor, justification from our sins. John fourteen twenty three continues, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Again, we must love God, keep his words for the Father to love us, that is, to give us salvation from sin. John fifteen fourteen says about the same thing. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. And John 15, 9 through 10 says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So we must continue in God's love, implying that it is possible to lose God's love, and we do that by keeping God's commandments. That's confirmed by Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Jude 21 reads, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Again, we must keep ourselves in God's love. You see then how God's love in this sense is conditional? Here are some other texts that prove obedience to God's New Testament law is required for God's salvational love. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. 1 Peter 1, 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Mark 16, 16. 
He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 8. In flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 22:14. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So in summary, God loves everybody unconditionally, but he only loves those who obey him in the sense that he gives them salvation. And we've proven that from all of these Bible passages. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 is the number to call. I wanted to mention again about our new website, BibleCrossFire.com. Looks really good. I hope you'll go to it. It's a really slick website where you can ask me a Bible question, make a comment about a Bible topic we've covered in the past, Listen to the program live via the internet or listen to previous archive programs. Sign up for my weekly Doctrine Matters email message. Work an online Bible correspondence course. Or even request me to come for a speaking engagement at your church at no charge. Go to BibleCrossFire.com. Send me a message for any of these possibilities or anything else you can think of. We want to talk to you about the Bible offline because there's a lot more time there. Go to BibleCrossFire.com to send me and to start an email conversation with me. We're so glad that you're listening. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number again to call is 877-655-6755. Piper from Minnesota. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Good afternoon, Patrick. I have a question for you. So I just heard you quote, um, we, may all, we, sh- we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And you went on to read that passage. Now, if you go further in that chapter, it says that some people will be going through it, will be judged as if through fire, but they themselves shall be saved. So when I listen to that, or when I read that, it it implies that um, those are the works of saved people that will be judged. So again, doesn't that play into the fact that once someone is truly saved, they cannot lose their salvation, but they will lose reward in heaven? Uh, I'll just hang up and then listen to your answer. Piper, that's a good question. Appreciate you calling we were quoting from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, but Piper is talking about chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, where it says, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Many try to use that to try to prove once saved, always saved. But where they're making mis- their mistake here, if you examine the context here, when it talks about a man's work here, it's not talking about his personal works It's talking about his converts. His converts. For example, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, Paul says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? 
Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? So the converts of Paul were called his work in the Lord. And if you examine the context of 1 Corinthians 3, that's the works under consideration. Not a man's personal work, like whether or not he's been baptized or not, whether or not he eats the Lord's Supper, whether or not he has the right doctrine or not. It's his convert. So what 1 Corinthians 3 verse 15 is saying is, let's suppose I convert during my lifetime 100 people, but 50 of them fall away. Uh, then I will lose the reward I would have gotten if they had remained faithful. But I won't lose my salvation because my converts fall away. This has nothing to do with how I live. Because if I don't live correctly, I will lose my salvation. This is just saying that I am not responsible for my converts. The work in, works in 1 Corinthians 3.15 are the man's, the teacher's converts. And that's what we're talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, for example, in verse 6. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And so the whole discussion there is about Paul's Converts, And he's basically saying we're not responsible for our converts. If they fall away, we won't be lost. Except it says, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. We'll have to go through the same test that they went through. In other words, if they're lost, that won't affect our salvation. But our salvation will depend upon how we are go through the fire. How well our personal works stand up. You know, this topic of once saved always saved comes up a lot on this program maybe perhaps more than any other topic i want you to consider a few passages on this topic one i would like to turn to that we don't maybe mention as often as the others is first excuse me revelation chapter 3 verse 5 and by the way if you have a bible question or comment give us a call at 877-655- Six seven five five. That number to call is eight seven seven six five five six seven five five. In Revelation chapter three verse five, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, "He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father, before his angels." Now, did you get that? Here's a person, Jesus says, if you will overcome, like overcome persecution, overcome temptation, I will not blot your name out of the book of life. But that implies that if we don't overcome temptation, Jesus will blot our name out of the book of life. And what is the book of life? It's a list of the names of all the saved people. You can't get your name in the book of life unless you've become a Christian, unless you've been saved. Jesus implies here that he'll blot you out of that book of life if you don't overcome temptation. In other words, you were saved, you were in the book of life, but your name was blotted out of the book of life. You're not saved anymore if you don't overcome temptation. If that doesn't teach that this idea of once saved, always saved is false, I don't know how you could write anything more clear than that. How could you write something more clear, say anything clearer than that to teach once saved, always saved is false? You know, another name for this doctrine of once saved, always saved is people will say a Christian cannot fall from grace. That's how they put it. But Galatians chapter 5 verse 4 says, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, 
ye are falling from grace. So is it possible for a Christian to fall from grace? Paul said that it was. He said if you try to go back to the old law and be justified by the Old Testament law, you are falling from grace. Now, you can't fall from a tree unless you're in the tree to start with. So you can't fall from grace unless you are in grace to start with. So this is talking about a Christian. It basically says that a Christian can fall from grace. Now, the common doctrine is that you can't fall from grace, but this passage says that these people did. They had fallen from grace. Piper from Minnesota, you got a follow-up? Oh, yes, I did hear what you said. Just another quick question, and then I'll hang up again. So, you're talking about Revelation and the blotting out of names um, from the Book of Life. Now, in the context of Revelations, doesn't um, doesn't it stand to reason that the period we're talking about here is the tribulation period, and what they're talking about is those people who have not taken on the mark of the beast, and it's separate from our pre-rapture. I'm not sure if you believe in that. From a pre-rapture um, time where salvation is different, I'll hang up and you can answer. Thanks Thank again. you for your call, Piper. You know, one of the misunderstandings that people have about the book of Revelation is that it's all in the future to now. But Revelation chapter 1 verse 1 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So for the most part, as a general rule, the things in Revelation were to come to pass Shortly, not way off in the future from us. But that really doesn't affect Revelation chapter 3 verse 5 because the things that are under consideration, whether or not they're in the future or shortly to come to pass, the things that are in symbols begin in chapter 4. Chapters 2 and 3 are the letters to the seven churches. Those churches existed back then. And, and basically, they provide a pattern, good and bad, for churches today. So Jesus is not talking about some tribulation period out in the future. He's just talking about any Christian that does not overcome temptation. This is in the middle of the letter to the church at Sardis, which existed at that time. He says, if you do not overcome temptation, I will blot your name out of the book of life. Out of the book of life, which shows a Christian can lose his salvation. Another passage I'd like to read real quick on this once saved, always saved Doctrine is James 5, 19 and 20. It says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. This is talking about brethren. Under consideration is one of these brethren, as a Christian, errs from the truth. The, the, the instruction here is to the Christians that have not erred from the truth to try to convert him back. It says if they are successful in converting him back, they will save his soul from death. The implication being if they're not successful, if he refuses to be converted back, his soul will die. So here we have clearly a brother in Christ who errs from the truth, his soul dies. And that should let us know that if we err from the truth, our soul will die. We'll be lost. We'll lose our salvation. Once saved, always saved is patently false. And we should take this as a warning. We need to make sure that we don't err from the truth. 
this passage requires that we be right about doctrine because if we err from the truth, our soul will die, will be lost. Let me confirm that with Second John verse 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ he hath both the Father and the Son. So we have to abide in the doctrine or the teaching of Christ or we won't have God. If we don't, if we transgress and don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, the teaching of Christ, we don't have God, we cannot be saved. We have to be right about our doctrine. Mike from Spokane, Washington. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, define the word gospel for me. Well, if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a short and concise definition of it is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That, that's that's a pretty good short does, definition me, for that. Tell me, does the gospel save? Can it save you? Romans 1.16 says the power of the gospel to save is the word of God. So the gospel can does save us. Does the gospel us. save you? It does, and, sir. Can you be saved Definitely. by the gospel alone? Yes, you can. Fine. Yeah. In other words, a baptism isn't necessary. You don't add baptism no. with the gospel. The no, no. Will save you. No, the baptism is part of preaching the gospel. Let me prove that to you, Mike. I'm going to put no. you on hold and try to prove that to you. In Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, Philip is preaching to the eunuch. In verse 36, it says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And it says, as they went on their way, this is verse 36, they came into a certain water, and the phoenix said, see, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? So Philip preached Jesus to the eunuch. He preached the gospel to the eunuch, and the eunuch got from that preaching that he was supposed to be baptized. So preaching Jesus, preaching the gospel, includes preaching about baptism. There's no other way around that. He preached to him Jesus. He heard that and said, What is keeping me from being baptized? So preaching Jesus or the gospel includes preaching about the necessity of baptism. The caller, Mike, the caller asked about what is the gospel. Let me read a passage that goes along with what we're talking about, about how that you have to be obedient to Christ. I think we already read this early in the program. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, it says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So to avoid vengeance in flaming fire from God, in other words, to avoid being lost in everlasting punishment, we not only have to know God, that is to believe and trust in God, we have to obey the gospel. We have to obey the gospel. That's what Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 says. So the gospel is something that you can obey. The, let me repeat that. The gospel is something that you can obey. So it involves not only believing and being baptized, like Jesus said. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Not only is it something that you can obey, this verse says that if you don't obey the gospel... God will take vengeance on you with flaming fire. Mike, do you have no. a follow-up? Have yes. any follow-up to that, Mike? Make it quick. We're going to have to go off there in a few minutes. Okay. In the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul says the gospel saves. He never mentions baptism. And if you look at the 50th verse of Luke 
chapter 7, uh, a woman who came to Christ and was saved. And, and the last verse says, and he looked at the woman and says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Baptism is not even mentioned. Thank you for your call, Mike. Now, if we go back and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 2, it talks about the gospel, the gospel that was preached unto you. And in verse 2, it says, By which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. You know, this doctrine of once saved, always saved, that the, our first caller brought up. This passage is another text that proves once saved, always saved is false because it says the gospel will only save us if we keep in memory what was preached unto us. It says, talking about the gospel that was preached unto you, verse 1, it says, by which also you are saved, that is the gospel, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. So a person can believe in vain, if they don't keep in memory the gospel that was preached to them, unto them. Again, showing once saved, always saved is false. Now, what was the gospel that Paul preached? Did it include baptism or not? Because this verse says you have to keep in memory the gospel that was preached unto you. Well, what did Paul say about baptism? Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27 is one of the places that he talks about water baptism. He says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So Paul asserts here that these Galatians had become children of God by faith. And then the very next verse begins with the word for, meaning to introduce the reason. In other words, the reason they were children of God by faith is that they had been baptized into Christ. Which would imply you can't become a child of God by faith without being baptized into Christ. So 1 Corinthians 15 verse 2, the gospel that is preached to us will save us if you keep in memory what is preached. And what is preached is, is that a person becomes a child of God by faith when they're baptized into Christ. Now, think of that, that phrase for a minute, the short phrase. We're baptized into Christ. Can one be saved if they're outside of Christ? No. The only way one can be saved is if they're in Christ, in fellowship Christ, in a saved relationship with Christ. Well, this verse says the way you get into Christ, verse 27 of Galatians 3, is by being baptized into Christ. In other words, you can't be saved without being baptized. John from Mississippi, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, how are you? Doing really good. How you doing? I'm doing fine. So, sort of staying on point here, when you were saved by Christ, and you've accepted him through his atoning blood on the cross, then are you not sealed by Christ, sealed with the Holy Spirit? And if that is not yeah, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. But notice a passage like 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2. It says, The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he shall be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So as long as we seek the Lord and try to serve Him, God has us sealed in such a way that no one can pluck us 
out of his hand. John 10, 27 and 28. But this verse says, if we, for, if we forsake him, he will forsake us. John, you got a, 10 seconds to make a comment. Yeah, no, 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 I agree with that, but it doesn't say that he'll forsake our eternal life. It doesn't say that he will forsake us into no. the damnation of hell. It, it says he will forsake us. And so if he's forsaken us, then of course we'll be lost. The Bible says if we deny him, he will deny us. Again, if we want to continue this discussion, and I would love to off air. I'm going to have to go off the air in 30 seconds. Go to my website, BibleCrossFire.com. Send me an email, and then we can talk about this via email all throughout the week. We appreciate you listening. Hope you'll listen again next week at this same time. Again, the email, the website address, BibleCrossFire.com, to send me an email to ask me any questions.